Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode 60, Put Your Head on the Ground. Happy 60 episodes of the Awareness Offerings podcast. Why can't I say that word today? Podcast. (laughs) I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you are here. And as always, if you'd like to support what goes on here on this show, best ways to do so are by rating, subscribing, and or leaving a review on whatever platform you're using to listen. And if you feel called to share on social media or by word of mouth, every action I just listed helps other people find this show. I appreciate you if you feel called to do that, and I appreciate you just for being here. So here we are. We'll go into our opening practice of singing the sound of OM one time. OM is the sound or the vibration that means pure consciousness. We're trying to set a space of consciousness, a container of consciousness for the next few minutes that we're going to spend together. So you can do that by singing out loud with me, or you can do this practice by listening. If you're coming along, you might first get your body into a comfortable position. If it's comfortable and safe for you to do so right now, you could close your eyes or just take a soft gaze by looking down your nose or toward the floor. If it's available to you right now, consider a deep breath in through your nose and exhale through your nose, just clearing some space first. And then we'll inhale for one round of OM. Thank you for joining me in that practice and now for this week's discussion. And really, this week's discussion is what it sounds like. It's exactly what I named this episode. I did not bury the lead with the title. All I'm here to tell you, essentially, this week is put your head on the ground. And that's it. That's the podcast. See you next week. (laughs) Obviously, I'm joking, but I am here to wax poetic on the virtues of putting your head on the ground as a practice, both to benefit us physically benefit our nervous systems, our energy and emotions, and as a way that we can, you know, be good people in the world, hopefully. Although when I say good people out loud, I don't really love that expression because even placing value judgments on ourselves like bad or good cannot, can be unsupportive. And the whole point of putting your head on the ground is to try to support yourself. So maybe not be good people, but be forces of good and grounding in the world. Because that's what this is really about is grounding, pressing ourselves into our own bodies, landing in our own bodies so we can feel more steady on all the levels that we might need steadiness and then maybe be an agent of steadiness in the world. So I've been thinking about putting one's head on the ground this week because that's the kind of yoga that I've been practicing and teaching. 
As you might know, I am a yoga teacher of eight years, yoga practitioner of nine years, and I woke up on Monday of this week. I'm recording this on a Thursday, but on Monday of this week, I woke up and my neck was really mad for no apparent reason. So I knew I wanted to get on the yoga mat at some point that day. I was hopeful for a full, I say full, but what really is a full yoga practice? We assume it's an hour because that's how long most classes are. I do believe full can be whatever we make it, but I was hopeful for a robust amount of time on the yoga mat. The day did not turn out that way, so I ended up with about 20 minutes on my yoga mat in the evening, but I knew that I wanted to take care of myself by doing some practices to address my neck. Take care of myself, one, just because being on the mat at all, doing physical yoga, yoga asana, is something that really helps me to be present and to take care of myself and to feel like I am showing up for an intentional or that I'm showing up intentionally for my life. So that's one way to take care of myself. But I also specifically wanted to take care of my neck. So I got on the mat and as I started to move, rabbit pose popped into my mind, shashangasana. Rabbit pose is an inversion. Any pose in, according to yoga asana, any pose where the hips are above the heart and the heart is above the head is an inversion. We are technically upside down when we're doing that, whether we are you know, balancing on our hands or our head or our feet are off the ground or not. Rabbit pose is not a balanced pose, but it is an inversion. And this shape popped into my mind as I thought about what I wanted to do to support my neck. It's a pose where we press the top of the head into the ground. And with the way my neck was feeling, something told told me that that kind of light pressure and stability could be supportive. So I thought to myself, okay, let's move toward rabbit pose. In rabbit pose in Shashangasana, there's a lot going on. Not only are we upside down working in the, in the skull and the neck, but there's a shoulder opening, chest opening, upper spine stretching quality. There's a deep forward fold. There's a lot of engagement at the center, at the abdomen. So a lot of different moving pieces. So knowing that's where I was going, I started to move through the different pieces that would prepare me for all the elements of this pose. And this little 20 minute sequence kind of unfolded for me. I don't think I came up with it. Like I say all the time, when something feels really wise or connected in my life and my practice, my assumption is that it's coming from something bigger than me. So this practice came through and I did this 20 minute sequence into rabbit pose. And though my neck was still a little grouchy for about another day afterward, I did feel better and more supportive. And reflecting on the little sequence that I had done on my mat, I realized, oh, that's actually a pretty good sequence. Let me teach that. So I spent the next couple days teaching the sequence, having you know added and tweaked some things to fill the full hour of yoga that I teach for each time. But I taught that Shashangasana, that rabbit pose sequence in my yoga classes. So I have been spending a lot of time this week putting my head on the ground and guiding and encouraging other people to put their heads on the ground. And that has led me to reflect and share about the benefits of putting your head on the ground. And as I was teaching, this this didn't come to mind when I was practicing. I didn't think about this story until I actually started sharing this practice with others. But as I was sharing it, a story, an occurrence, an experience came to mind. I started thinking and talking to my students, to the people in my yoga classes, about this one time 
the first time actually that I went to Sacred Kashi Ashram in Sebastian, Florida. And Sacred Kashi is the spiritual center on which the primary teacher, the founder of my yoga lineage, lived and taught for almost 40 years. When she kind of went through her spiritual awakening, if you will, when she discovered herself as a having a deep connection to spirit and as one who could help others through spiritual teaching, she found some land in Florida and she started, she founded this ashram, this spiritual center. She lived and taught there for 40 years. I never got to meet her, this master teacher. Her name is Majaya Satibhagavati. You've probably heard me talk about her if you've listened to this podcast. I never got to meet her while she was alive. I never got to visit her ashram, her spiritual center and her home while she was alive. And yet I have a deep relationship with her. It's part of that whole thing where, you know, when things that feel really profound make themselves available to me, I'm assuming they're not from me. They're from something bigger than me. That's kind of how I relate to Ma. She is one of the ways that I understand the force that is bigger than me, that is always teaching and guiding me. I believe I have a connection to her and I feel her. So though I never met her in the body, she has become very deeply important to me. And a few years ago, I believe in 2018, although I cannot say that is exactly um, precise, but I believe it was around then, I went to her ashram, her spiritual center and home for the first time. And just like I can feel her essence, her energy, her love, because that was her main deal was love, no matter what, love, In every moment, I can feel her love, even though she's no longer in her body and on this earth. The same is true of her spiritual center of her ashram. Sacred Kashi in Sebastian, Florida radiates with her love and her energy and with the sacred because she made it an incredibly sacred space. It's this beautiful jungly Florida land. There are temples all over the grounds, recognizing and honoring different forms of the sacred from many different spiritual traditions, from Christianity to Judaism, Hinduism, and anything else you could think of. (laughs) There are just many different temples and recognitions of the sacred in all of its forms, and that was on purpose. Ma was an interfaith spiritual teacher, and that was incredibly important to her that so many faiths be represented. So it's this beautiful, spiritually saturated, potent and powerful place. And I finally got to go there for the first time with my spiritual community here in Atlanta. See, Ma had a lot of students and one of her close students is now my spiritual teacher, Swami Jayadevi, who founded Kashi Atlanta, the Atlanta ashram uh, in the same lineage as Ma's Kashi ashram. So I first found Kashi Atlanta before I found Ma. Swami Jayadevi was my teacher before I even knew who Ma was. And then I got to find Ma through the avenue of my Atlantic community. And eventually with my Atlantic community, I got to travel down to this ashram in Sebastian, Florida. And my first weekend down there was, I barely remember it, (laughs) like specific events because it was so saturated with spiritual potency that it truly was like a high. And so all I remember, my, my embodied memory is just the feeling of being dizzy and out of my body and everywhere, but yet still so grounded in my heart because there was so much love and spiritual power. And 
I had an incredible heart opening weekend. And then it was time for me to drive home. And a little side note, I was telling this story to my students in Shavasana in our final resting posture where we kind of receive and integrate at the end of a yoga practice during these, this week when I've been teaching Shashangasana rabbit pose, I did not tell them this full, um, extended version. So you're getting the extended director's cut here on the podcast. Um, but all that is to say, I had this powerful weekend at Sacred Kashi in Sebastian, Florida. I was just dizzy with spiritual energy radiating and vibrating through my every cell. And then I had to drive home. <laughs> and I knew one based on personal experience and two based on the stories and experiences of other people that it's not always easy to be grounded, centered, and steady enough to do basic life activities when you are completely expanded and blown open and transformed and rearranged by spiritual power. Like I was having been to my, my guru, my master teacher's home for the first time. And so knowing I had to drive, I knew I had to do something to ground and steady myself. And without even really knowing why I was doing it, at the time, I walked up to my spiritual teacher, Swami Jayadevi, who was there at the time, Ma's close student, and I said, Swami, will you press on my head? And she did, without hesitation. And at the time, like I said, I didn't know exactly why I was asking for that. It was that same force of guidance, something bigger than me, maybe Ma, but whatever it is, that thing that's always that force that's always with me and teaching me, guiding me to go ask my teacher to help me get grounded. I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but looking back now, I can realize and recognize that that's what I needed. and That's what I was asking my teacher for. Please ground me. Because one of the ideas in spiritual energetics is that when we're connecting to the sacred, we go up. There are seven major energy centers that are said to live along our spinal column. According to yoga philosophy, we start at the tailbone, the root. We start in our earthly bodies and with our physical awareness. And then our energy travels up and maybe out the crown of our head, which is symbolic of connection to something greater than us, to, to that force of guidance and consciousness, however we name it, however we relate to it. But that sense of connection, we go up. And I was so connected and having so many spiritual moments and experiences throughout that weekend that I had gone up and up and up. That was no problem, but I needed to come down. I had gone up and out through the crown of my head as in classical yoga, one does when they're connecting to the sacred. I needed to come back down in through the crown of my head to be steady and centered in my body so that I could drive eight hours home from Florida to Georgia safely. And again, I didn't quite know that's what I was doing at the time, but I asked my teacher to press on the top of my head and she did. And now looking back, I can see that I was in need of grounding. And as I experienced and then taught this sequence this week in which all of our yoga practitioners and me and, you know, we all came together and we pressed the crowns of our heads into the floor, into the earth, I was reminded of this moment. Because at that, on that weekend in Florida, I was asking the mother to ground me back into my body by pressing on the top of my head. I say the mother because my lineage of spiritual teachers embody 
the divine love of the divine mother. That is their thing. <laughs> um, and if you meet them, you know, like they have this, the, the, the divine mother is just one way of saying nurturing, wild, unconditional love. And the teachers in my lineage, Ma and Swami Jayadevi, included and th- them as the primary teachers, they embody that wild, unconditional love. So really what I was asking for was for the mother to press on the top of my head. And then when we fast forward to this week and I was guiding a group of practitioners and I myself was you know, putting the crown of the head on the ground, I, I, rem- I, was, I was struck by the, by the parallel nature of what we were doing. Because by putting the, our heads on the earth, we were doing the same thing that I was asking my teacher to do for me a few years ago. Asking the mother to ground us back into our bodies by pressing on the top of our heads. Because the earth is a form of the mother. The earth is one of the most accessible and fundamental forms of the mother, that nurturing, that holding, that unconditional love. So when we put our heads on the ground, we are asking the mother to ground us back in. And I really enjoy Shashangasana, this pose, and any pose where the crown of my head or even just my head in general is on the ground because feeling that sense of light pressure where I can actually feel the earth pressing up against my head really does feel like being pressed back into myself. Having my energy redirected rather than going straight up and just being so connected to the sacred that I can't even find my feet on the earth. Or rather than having my energy like bursting out in all directions, which can happen when we're ungrounded or we're stressed or even when we're really excited, when there's a lot going on and our energy just moves everywhere. That pressing on the head just redirects the flow of energy. It brings it back to the center line. In yoga philosophy, our spinal column is the center line of energy in the body and the skull is the top of that. So it brings our energy back into the center line to center in one place and then that light pressure on the head directs it down rather than up and out or out in all directions it directs it down back into the body and as I've been taught by a lot of my incredible yoga teachers the body is a present moment phenomenon it is only happening in the moment So getting into our bodies, which does not mean we have to do inversions. It doesn't mean we have to do handstands. It doesn't mean we have to be hyper flexible or super bendy. It doesn't even mean we have to do a bunch of physical yoga. There are a lot of ways to get into the body and getting into our bodies is a solid way to get into the moment because the body is in the moment. And when we can be in the moment, make contact with the moment, we can usually access a greater sense of steadiness, of centeredness, of uh, that neutrality that I've sometimes spoken about on this podcast. My teacher, my Swami Jayadevi, the one who pressed on my head, has taught that the moment is actually neutral. It's not bad, it's not good, it's not blissful, it's not terrible. It's the neutral container for all of those things. So when we get into our bodies and get into the moment, we can find this sense of neutral openness. Not neutral as in we don't care about anything or we don't take any positions on anything, but that the container in which we're holding all the things we're experiencing, all the decisions we have to make, all the actions we have to take for ourselves, for the world, 
The container is neutral and open. So getting into our bodies can help us access that. And I find that putting my head on the earth, or I, I guess a better way to say it is I am rediscovering through this, these practices I've been doing and sharing this week, that putting my head on the earth is a way really straightforward, really embodied. It's something I can tangibly feel in my body in the moment without having to work too, too hard. Really accessible, straightforward way for me to get down into my body, to have the mother press on my head, get me into my body and get me into a place of steadiness, centeredness and neutrality. And I think one of the reasons that matters, aside from the fact that grounding into our bodies is supportive for our nervous system, right? Rather than being in any chaos of the mind or of the world, being in the neutrality and steadiness of the moment. So that's supportive for our nervous system and it's supportive for our kind of internal practices of presence. But even beyond that, the reason that I think putting our heads on the ground to get into our bodies matters is because it allows us to be steadier agents in the world. It allows us to meet the world from a place of capability rather than overwhelm. If we are steady within ourselves, we are more likely to be able to look at the chaos and the pain that is objectively real in our world and say, how can I help? Who can I serve? What do I have to offer? Rather than if we're overwhelmed and then the chaos comes to us and we're like, I can't even deal with this because internally I'm so unsteady. But from an internal place of steadiness, we have more to give. And, you know, Ma, Ma Jaya, she of the spiritual center that got me so high that I had to have my teacher press on my head. You know, she had all those interfaith temples across her ashram. And yet she has also said that the only religion she truly cares, if anyone practices, is the religion of kindness. That doesn't mean that she doesn't honor or that we as practitioners don't honor and value all faith traditions, but the only one she's really, the only one that she, what's the word for this? Help me, mom. (laughs) The only one that she's worried about The only one that she's going to be a stickler about is kindness. And she's been quoted as saying, when you're kind, you don't have your head in the sand. And I really love that. I love the implication that to be kind means we are actively engaged with the world around us. And again, I think we can only really do that from a place of internal steadiness. And so I think when we put our head on the ground, that's a way to not put our head in the sand, (laughs) So that's my, that's my spiel. That's my, that's my call to action. That's my hope and my desire, my plea. Put your head on the ground so that you don't have to put your head in the sand. Now, you might be asking or thinking, that's all great. That sounds wonderful. How do I actually do that? I'm going to tell you. (laughs) So one, we, this whole discourse that I have now presented to you on this podcast Started with one yoga pose, Shashangasana, the rabbit pose. Now, again, as I, as I alluded to earlier, it's a pretty complex pose. It's not one that I would just bust into 
uh, you know, at the beginning of a practice. There are things that we want to do to warm and prep the body. Shoulders need to be open. We need to have some forward folding, some engagement at the center, at the abdomen, uh, some steadiness in the neck. So I would encourage you to practice that pose if it feels resonant, um, but do some research, right? Look it up and know that you're going to want to prep, right? And I feel strange even saying that because I don't have the capacity on this podcast to like take you through all the the necessary prep work to keep you safe. So I'm just going to really, really emphasize that. Please stay safe. And if you're going to practice Shashangasana, go to a source that you trust for preparation to get into the shape. But know in general, you want to have open, warm shoulders, and you want to be able to squeeze your shoulders towards your spine. You want to be able to fold forward, have a little rounding in your spine, and have a warm and stable center. That's what I've taken to calling the muscles at our abdomen at the guidance of some of my amazing teachers because, you know, abs, they have a certain connotation to them, whereas center is just that. The muscles at our abdomen are there to center and stabilize the spine. So you want to have warmth in your center, And you want to press evenly down through your shins and your head while rounding your back and keeping a squeeze at your center as you're folding forward into this pose so that all the weight doesn't have to go into your head. And then you want to come out and come to a neutral spine. So head, shoulders, and hips straight up and down to allow your spine to settle after putting weight on the head. And I would encourage some some practices to take care of your neck, maybe some neck rolls and stretches afterward. So that's about all I can offer in the podcast form, but know that you just want to prep and take care of yourself if you're going to practice Shashangasana. That's not the only way though. That's not the only way to put your head on the ground. Other ways to do so, headstand, which is another one. I won't even touch that one because that takes even more prep and safety consideration. That's not even a pose that's for everyone. Anatomically, the length of our necks versus the length of our arms can determine how safe it is for each person. So I'm really, really going to entrust, I'm really going to trust that you are going to decide if or if not that pose is safe for you. Another way to get your head on the ground, child's pose, balasana. A pose in which from like a tabletop position with your hands and knees on the ground, you might widen your knees or not, but you sit your hips back to or toward your heels. You might extend your arms long and settle your forehead to or toward the floor, or even put a block or some kind of support under your head if you want to bring the ground closer to you. That's not asking as much of our bodies, and yet our head is on the ground. Not the top of the head, but still the skull, which I think can give us a lot of the same or similar kind of... um, effects and benefits. And when it comes to all of these inversions, there are ways to adapt these poses. And I, though my intention and my goal is to make every yoga practice as accessible as possible, I am not an accessible yoga expert. There are folks in different types of bodies that I am who have the lived experience to have much more expertise on making practice accessible than I do. But know that there are a lot of ways to customize these inversions in which we're trying to put our heads on the ground. And I would encourage you to explore that if that's something that you feel called to. But at the same time, I don't even think it requires a yoga pose. These are all, you know, what I've listed so far are different yogic shapes in which we can get our heads on the ground to kind of reap these steadying benefits. But I also think if you just want to go out and get in the grass and go into a tabletop position, just put your hands and knees on the ground, 
round your spine, curve forward, maybe even bend your elbows or put your forearms on the ground until the crown of your head is on the ground, I think you should go for it. I think there's a way to do that without risking the body. Again, you just, you press the top of your head into the ground and you press your legs into the ground so that all the weight's not going into your head. And then once you've done that, you might want to like do a baby backbend of some sorts, which you can just do by sitting upright, lifting your chest, maybe lifting your chin if that works for your neck and squeezing your shoulders onto your back just to counterbalance any rounding in the spine. But I really think you can just go outside and round in and put your head on the ground if you want to. And I say all of this with the, with the caveat that you've got to listen to your own body and customize however you need to, which might mean that doing any of these things is not the thing for you to do. I feel aware that I'm talking about doing movements in the body from a privileged perspective because there are some folks who don't have the capacity in their bodies to do any of these things. So it's a privilege. And if in your body or you just don't want to put your head on the ground for any reason, I think we can then move toward the practice that I detailed earlier in this podcast. I think we can just press into the top of the head. I think that has a similar effect to putting our head on the earth, even though we wouldn't be working directly with earth energy. The energy of the earth is incredibly grounding. We are extensions of the earth. Our bodies are of the earth. So putting our own hands on the top of our head and lightly pressing down That's a way. That's a way to ground in and get into that steady space. I've done it before to myself as as well as asking my teacher to do it for me. So this is another podcast in which the practice that I'm offering you is a little more take home than it is in the moment guided meditation. My, My practice for you is put your head on the earth in some way. But at the same time, I would like us to have some practice time together. So we're going to use that kind of option of pressing into the crown of our own heads to experience that feeling of light pressure on the crown as a grounding practice. So here we go. This is the portion of the Awareness Offerings podcast where we transition from discussion into meditation, from listening into practice. So if you are not in a position to sit for a moment and get still, this is a great time to pause the podcast and come back when you are. If you are in such a position, the first thing I'm going to invite you to do is find a comfortable seated position. This is any seat that you need as long as you can find space in your spine, that center line of energy in the body that can help us direct our own energy in steadying ways. That could mean that you're sitting with your legs crossed or not. You could be sitting on something like a cushion or a blanket or in a chair or on your bed. Your back could be on the wall. You could have support under your knees. Anything goes as long as you can find that space for you in your spine. And as you do so, you might choose to settle in here by closing your eyes or just taking a soft gaze down your nose or toward the floor with the idea being that we just reduce the external stimuli so we have more awareness to direct toward our internal world. A practice of centering by going inward, which can be another way that we can support our own steadiness. 
Now, rather than going right to the breath awareness like we might do in a traditional meditation on this podcast or beyond, we're gonna we're gonna go right into that grounding practice of putting light pressure on the crown of the head, asking for grounding from the crown downward, and we're gonna see if that maybe steadies us to support us in then turning toward our breath and moving into some meditative stillness. So that's the practice right now. I'm just gonna invite you to take one or both hands to the very top of your head. Lengthen your spine. So we don't wanna like like bow ourselves in under the weight of our hands. We'll keep the spine long to whatever degree our body says yes to. And then you begin to press down with your hands. At the same time, press up with your skull a bit, keeping your chin level or level-ish with the floor. So again, we're not rounding in underneath the weight of the hands. Add the amount of pressure that feels reasonable to you. Nothing acutely painful here. Just a sense of sensation at the crown of the head. Knowing that your hands are acting as extensions of the earth, as extensions of the mother, whether you recognize that as the mother earth or a teacher or a guide or a presence in your own life or world that embodies unconditional love, or maybe one of the mother goddesses. But either way, your hands as an extension of the mother pressing onto the top of your head to redirect your own energy. To bring it down from above so that you don't aren't so consumed by the spiritual that it's difficult to be present in your body and be in the world bringing it back to the center line of your spine so that your energy is not moving out in so many directions like it can in the chaos of the world and the wildness of life. And then from that place, from that center line, directing it down, pressing your own energy, your own awareness, your own presence down into your body so that you can land back in this present moment reality of the body And perhaps begin to absorb and benefit from some of the steadiness that we can find when we center and land in the body, in the present. You might be beginning to direct your awareness toward your breath now from that place of steadiness, finding that steady center point of breath in and out as you begin to take in the moment that you're in. And just give yourself some time and space to land in steadiness so that you can meet your moment, your life, and the world from that steady place, which I believe can only help, can only benefit. Of course, when your arms get tired, you can release, but maybe feel that kind of that phantom sensation, the after effects of pressing on your head, still there, still directing your energy down into your center line into your body, steadying you, you receiving that steadiness, that redirection of energy that you can give to yourself, no outside validation required, although at the same time you are supported by the mother. Just receiving that steadiness for a few breaths here.
And we'll close this shorter grounding practice with three sighing breaths. That deep sigh is another settling practice. It activates our parasympathetic nervous system, the opposite of fight or flight. So continuing to direct our energy in a steady direction. You might join me in taking a breath in through your nose and the biggest sigh you want out your mouth. Maybe two more. One more time. And as your breath returns to its organic state, you might return to your external world by starting to blink your eyes open, maybe moving your body around. But maybe you observe as you return to you know, the world and the life around you that you might be in it from a different place. Just having reminded yourself of your energy, directed your energy in a steady way, and reminded yourself of your own body in the present. I'll invite you to just notice how you're, how you're meeting your moment. Even if you don't notice anything right now, maybe that's a curiosity practice that can go with you. May we be steady. May we be held by the mother in whatever form we recognize her. And may we meet a world in need from that steady place. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, whom you can also find on Instagram. <laughs>